following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His Word. And we open up His Word this morning to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verses uh, 12 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're taking our time with the armor of God, and uh, it's important because um, God's Word is important. It is not something that we just uh, merely try to get through, uh, but we want to make sure that we are understanding it and implementing it properly in our lives. It's awesome to hear what's going on in the lives of our young people as well as um, our missionaries with Dan and Becky and the work that is going to be done there. Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 12 carries on um, with what Paul has been saying about how to live the Christian life and to do it well. And um, as I was studying uh, this week, had the opportunity to come across um, the Bible is obviously uh, one of the best-selling and top-selling books. I'm not sure if you knew that or not um, in regards to like overall sales. It's been year after year after year the Bible um, just continues to come out on top. Um, But there's books that are behind it. And interestingly enough, one of the books that is behind the Bible in the top sales is a book called The Art of War um, by a guy named Sun Tzu's. It's T-Z-U. It might be two, but um, regardless, nobody knows because he's dead. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but his whole book uh, is about warfare. And if you look at the top sellers of the books that are out there, it's amazing how many are on combat and war and how to fight. And it's parallel because Ephesians talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6, 10, all the way through 20. And in the art of war, it says, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, then you do not need to fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself and you know the enemy, you do not have to fear the result of a hundred battles. Now, I don't think Son knew the Lord, and I don't think he had an opportunity to accept Christ as Savior, but I would take this quote and put one more, uh, essentially, noun on his statement. If you know yourself, if you know your enemy, and if you know your Savior, you do not need to fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know the enemy, if you know yourself, and if you know your Savior, you do not need to fear the result of a hundred battles. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us about ourselves, tells us about our enemy, and tells us about our Savior. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. God, thank you for your word and that it is sweet and that we can trust in it and that you walk with us and that you talk with us and you tell us that we are your own. And we know in the text that we are in a fight and that we are in a battle with the enemy. And we know that your word speaks to us very clearly on who we are as sinners saved 
by your grace and who you are as a savior who has restored us and cleansed us. And we know that we have victory because we read the end of the book and we realize that we win overall in the end. And not only do we win in the end, God, but we can win now here on earth, which is huge. And we ask that you help us to understand that this morning. Speak to us, your people. Help us to implement this properly. In your name we pray. Amen. Paul says at the start, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I don't know what you have in front of you in regards to the version of the Bible that you read out of. But that word wrestle in your Bible might be the word struggle. So you might have wrestle or you might have struggle. And if you were receiving this letter in the church of Ephesus, in the New Testament, you would have understand wrestling to be something that was an interesting endeavor. Wrestling in the New Testament was not like the wrestling that we have now in our high schools and our junior high uh, sports programs. It's not this um, event to where there's a referee. It was a life and death situation. The person who won a wrestling match was the person who was able to hold down their opponent with their hand on their neck. And so you wrestled with somebody for sport where people would watch and you would hold them down with your hand on their neck. And oftentimes the winner got to keep his life if he was victorious and the loser lost his life if he was defeated. So if you were reading this text, and it says, we do not wrestle, you would have thought about hand-to-hand combat where trickery and deception was used. And you would have thought about a life and death matter. And so what Paul's saying here is, I'm about to speak to you on matters of life and death, but I want you to know what we don't wrestle with as Christians. Remember, the letter is written to those believers in the church of Ephesus. We do not, Paul says, wrestle with flesh and blood. This is going to mess with your mind here this morning. Because he says we do not wrestle or have hand-to-hand combat using trickery or deception with flesh or blood. Now that word flesh has a couple of meanings to it. And it can mean that um, the flesh that you have, if you look at your hands, for example, the flesh covers up the muscles and it covers up the blood that is under the skin and we thank God for it that it's not transparent. Amen. That'd be gross. He says the flesh is, is this, this stuff that covers man or beast. Ah, but then he says also the flesh is human nature that is apart from God. It is the sin nature, the flesh. Now we have done you a disservice at Community Gospel. And I say me, or we, I, I mean me. Because I have used the term wrestling before with wrestling against the flesh, and that's wrong, and you can correct me from here on out for that. We do not wrestle against the flesh or ourselves, is what Paul says. See, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war against the flesh. My war is not with myself. I will discipline myself against the flesh. Because I know that inside my soul slash spirit is saved. It's been redeemed by the grace of God because I have placed my trust and faith in Christ. 
And this flesh that hangs, Paul says, on me is something that entangles me and trips me up, but is not what I wrestle against. I must discipline myself against the flesh. Self-discipline is essentially the same thing as self-control. One of the nine fruits of the Spirit that is listed by Paul in Galatians chapter 5. In the King James Version, he uses the word temperance in place of self-control, which is like self-discipline. It generally refers to our ability to control or restrain ourselves from all kinds of feelings or impulses or desires for physical or material comfort. See, we use the flesh often as Christians as an escape goat for our sin. When in reality, you have not disciplined yourself, I have not disciplined myself enough in order to be like Christ and ask God to do a great work in me. You do not wrestle, Paul says, against the flesh. You and I are called to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and spirit. It is the process of sanctification, being set apart for the glory of God. You cannot look at yourself and say, well, I sinned because it's this flesh. No. Paul says, Peter says, James says, the disciples say, discipline yourself, Christian, to be like Christ. And then you will learn what it means to not satisfy the desires of the flesh. See, in his letter to the Romans, Paul says, offer your bodies, your flesh, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But most Christians would agree that if we have a pull of worldly desires, it is done in order to please our Lord, and that's not an easy thing to do. So you must discipline yourselves. You cannot justify your own sin. You have to discipline yourself to be like Christ, to discipline yourself against the flesh. Paul even says, what I want to do, I do not. The evil, I do not want to do. This I keep doing. It is sin living in me that does it. Romans chapter 7, verse 20 says... It is not my flesh that I wrestle with. It is the sin that easily entangles me. And so we discipline ourselves against that. I want to make this clear this morning. It is clear that our seemingly greedy human appetites and needs can easily lead to sinful excuses if we are not controlled. One of the things that we need to pray as Christians every morning that we wake up is, God, give me the ability to be controlled by you and your spirit and not my own. Because if it's left to me and my own devices, I will always fail. But when I live a life that would be honoring and pleasing to the Lord, I am disciplined by Jesus Christ. If the spiritual does not govern the physical, we can become easy targets for Satan due to the lack of self-control. We do not, Paul says, wrestle against the flesh. There's something behind the curtain, and we must discipline ourselves. We do not wrestle against the flesh or, he says, the blood or and the blood. Now, blood is interesting here, too, because blood in context means a couple of things. Blood, ready for this, can be actual physical blood. We have nurses who dig this. Your job is to extract blood physical from people's bodies. That's gross and disgusting, and you need help. Just kidding. 
I love all of our nurses here because if I get sick, you are the first phone call that I make, and I'm glad about that. It can be physical blood, right? Or it can be symbolic of blood. Last week, we took communion, and we have this thing called the cup, and the cup is filled with grape juice, and the grape juice represents church blood, the blood of Christ. And so what we see there is the cup can be symbolic, but also watch this. The cup is symbolic of Christ's blood that was shed on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And Paul says in the text, we do not wrestle against flesh yourself. We do not wrestle against blood, Christ's atoning blood. You are not your enemy and God is not your enemy. Are you you tracking with that? See, sometimes in the Christian life, we think that I wage war with myself and I'm supposed to wage war with God. Surely it's God who has done this to me in my life. Surely it's God who has brought this calamity in my life. And if we go back to the Old Testament in the book of Job, we realize that Job had every calamity that you could possibly imagine and God was still faithful even in the process. Job's wife, the bride of his youth, says, Job, renounce God and die. And he says, woman, that's the Hebrew. He says, far be it from me to renounce God who has blessed us with every single blessing that we have received. He gives and he takes away. But in his giving and his taking away, he is still righteous. He is still holy. He is still merciful. He is still good. We will not renounce the name of God. We do not wrestle, Paul says, against the flesh and the blood. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. The children share in the flesh and blood. He himself likewise, Jesus Christ, partook of the same things that you and I partake of. And through his death, he destroys the one who has the power of death. That is your enemy, dun-dun-dun, the devil. He is the problem. He is not red and small with tails and horns he is beautiful and you desire him more than you ever know and so do i and he is your enemy that is who you fight against so christian it is important to understand that we have to control ourselves and to fight through the work of the holy spirit not according to us i found this earlier this week galatians 5 lists the fruit of the spirit not the fruit of the christian As we are merely the branches upon the vine, Christ hangs the fruit that he produces. It is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that gives the Christian the power and the ability and the might to exercise self-control so we will not be mastered by the enemy or the sinful cravings of man. Paul said, God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love, and self-discipline. And so, Christian, you are not to be controlled by your sinful nature or the devil, but by the Holy Spirit. He will help you in your weakness, which makes us able to say no to the devil's schemes and sin. Are you ready to know your enemy? Paul gives a threefold outline, because he's a good pastor, of your enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle... Against the flesh and the blood, we wrestle against a threefold enemy. Number one, the rulers against the rulers. Now, we can debate if that should have an S on the end of it. Rulers is good, 
uh, but it should say ruler. And your text might have principality in there. Now, it doesn't matter what version that you read from. It's almost like a Yahtzee game where all of those words, rulers, authorities, principalities, present darkness, cosmic power, spiritual forces, heavenly places, whoever translated that text took all of those words, put them in the Yahtzee cup, shook them up and said, the ESV is going to be, and out it went. And they wrote it down. This is good biblical theology right here. And then the King James Version of the Bible, they took all those words and they put it in there and they shook it up and then they rolled it out and they said, this is what we will write down, okay? And then the ESV. And for those of you who never grew up in church your whole life, that's not how people translate the Bible, okay? So don't take my word at that, but at what we're about to talk about. Against the ruler or principality, that is the devil. And the reason that we understand that that is the devil is because... That word means first or the one that was ahead. So if we were to understand the actual word behind ruler or principality, it is the leader. It is used six times in the Bible, and it's talking about Lucifer. Lucifer is sin's author. He was beautiful. He was gorgeous. He was adorned in the heavenly realms. We learn a lot about Satan in the Old Testament. We learn that he was beloved. We learn that he was tended to and cared for and that God saw him to be good. But Lucifer, for whatever reason, let his pride get the best of him because angels, just as men, have the ability to freely choose who they will worship. And Lucifer chose freely to worship himself over Christ, our Savior, God the Father, Emmanuel, Yahweh. He said, I will extol myself above this God of heaven and earth. And so he deems the title God or Prince of this world. This world that you and I live in is Satan's. The world that we are in right now is the devil's. In 2 Corinthians and John chapter 14, it says that he uses unregenerate or unsaved men and women to accomplish his will and his purpose. And those of us who don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are in operation underneath the master, Lucifer, the devil. We call him the devil because that's what happened when he fell. You once were Lucifer, but now you've fallen from heaven and you are Satan, cast out. And those men and women who are unregenerate, unsaved, or refuse to confess and believe Jesus Christ as Savior are being used by the devil. He uses them to accomplish his will and his purpose. The Bible tells us he has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. You know how we know that is from the garden. Satan manifests himself as an angel of light. He looks good. And he slithers his way into the garden like a serpent. And God specifically tells Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are other places that you can go, but this one you cannot participate in. And here comes Satan, and he says, surely God didn't say, you remember the Disney movies? Because Satan talks with a lisp. I always thought that was clever. Whoever thought of that, clever person. Satan says, surely God didn't say that you couldn't eat from every tree. Surely God didn't say that you wouldn't die. 
And Eve is very adamant with the devil. No, God said, this is his word, and we need to abide by his word. And he tricks her, and she falls into his deception, and she eats from the tree, and she turns and hands it over to her husband, Adam, and he eats it as well. And mankind is cursed from that day forward, just as Satan is cursed as he fell from heaven. And Satan still comes, and he manifests himself as an angel of light to the unbeliever. And he is coming for you, and he is coming for me. Now, what I've found in the study of Scripture is, Satan himself does not often come for us. He uses different means. If you are an individual that Satan is personally coming and attacking, you are doing well as a Christian, okay? So, it is my goal or my ambition from here on out in life to have the devil personally come at me, bro. That's for you, okay? It is my ambition and goal as a Christian that Satan would personally know my name because I want him to understand how much I love the Lord. Job was one of those men, wasn't he? Satan knew Job in the Old Testament, and he knew what Job was all about, and he knew Job worshipped the living God, and he says very specifically, I want him. And if Satan is coming at you personally, you know you are doing something right as a Christian. But you better be defended and protected. Because Satan, as we said, will manifest himself as an angel of light, when in reality he is darkness. He will say to you that salvation must be earned. There is surely no grace that God has given to us as Christians that we would receive such a phenomenally free gift like salvation without having to work for it. When we evangelize or share with people our faith who are lost and we say, you can come to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ His Son personally by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, they say, surely something I have to do that is deception. That is Satan's work at the forefront. No, Satan delegates his authority out. He uses the world to accomplish his will. And James chapter 4 verse 7 tells us, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I resist him and I resist his attacks. Your main enemy, number one, is against the ruler or the principality. That is the devil. Number two, your threefold enemy is against the authorities. And this is interesting because Satan delegates his authorities out because he's a chicken. He doesn't show up and do the work himself. The word there means delegated authority, and we know Satan's delegated authority is the demons. It says that, well, it implies, because we had this conversation last night in my house, of how do we know that when Satan fell, he took one-third of the heavenly hosts with him. In other words, a third of the angels came out of heaven, and they followed Lucifer blindly. Not blindly. They were well aware. Well, in the book of Revelation, it says, uh, it talks about the stars falling, and a third of those stars fell. And if that's true, and those stars represent the, the, the angels that followed Satan, we see that a third of them came out of heaven with him. So Satan has a third of fallen angels or what we call demons at his disposal. They're delegated authority. Here's what Satan's demons do. They destroy or deceive the work of God. Churches that have been built up and had the opportunity to see people come to know the Lord and grow faithfully in, in the word, they destroy and deceive his work. They work in the cracks They're evil spirits, they're unclean, 
liars, 1 Kings chapter 22 says. They deceive the world like Satan does. They promote false doctrine. They attack Christians. And here's the other crazy thing. They combat God's holy angels. There's a war that is ravaging and taking place that we can't even see. Now, here's, here's the funny thing. I'm reading this book right now by one of our elders who gave it to me. And it's messing with my head. And, and it's, the reason it's messing with my head is it's a novel about how Satan fell from heaven because he um, was angry or upset with the Lord making man in his image. Interesting concept. That Satan says, and it's in the book where he says, you mean to tell me, and he's talking to God, that we are not your beloved. And so he is angry and upset that God has made man in his image and not the angels, and that he loves us more than he loves them. And in Hebrews, we realize that that's true. That's not, that's not wrong. You are looked at above the angels. You are made in the image of God. Angels are not. And the interesting thing about that, that book is uh, the author depicts the flood, and it ta- they talk about the flood and in the flood, we realize that Noah boards the ark and he goes on this journey. And if we would do the felt boards justice, those of you who teach Sunday school, who we understand that in the felt board, um, it, it was a pleasant journey. Yeah, the giraffes are sticking their head out. They're having a good time. Elephants are present. They're there, right? We, we, we see this. It was just them floating on a boat. And we don't think that there's anything wrong with it. When in reality, the interesting, uh, whatever you want to call it, I lost the word in my head. But the interesting thing about what she, the author explains is, is that the boat barely made it. When it, when it landed, it, it barely made the journey. And there was so much damage on the outside of the boat because the waters raged. And the world groaned and creation longed for restoration. And it's fascinating to me because I can see that there was a heavenly war that was taking place for Noah's life and his family's life on the outside that that we can't see. So it is with us. Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, manifesting himself as an angel of light. And he delegates authority out to his demons and there is a war that is being raged for our souls that we cannot even see. And so our enemy is the ruler, the principality, the devil, but it is also his delegated empowerment of evil, which is the demons. The demons are private and they're sneaky. They're like people who break into a house and, and, and don't ravage the house. They just take little things until the morning you wake up and you look and you say, what happened to our home. Something is not right. Things are missing. What took, what took place? What transpired? We do that as Christians. The demons like to take little things from our lives to where we look at it and go, surely something is wrong here. I don't understand. Why is it wrong? Why, something's wrong. Something's not right. And we do that as Christians in our walk. Something's not right. And that is because the third enemy comes front and center. Satan is your enemy, the authorities, the demons are your enemies, but watch this, he says, against the cosmic powers, Satan and his demons, rulers and authorities, over this present darkness, that is the earth. Your third enemy is the world. This world is not my home, 
it is an enemy of the child of God. That is where Satan operates. He moves. He exists. He still to this day slithers like a snake. Seeking and waiting to devour those whom he might destroy. Over this present darkness against the spiritual forces. Another word you might have in your text is wickedness. Which is the error that Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says. Ephesians says, in which you once walked following the course of this world. The prince of power of the air." So he has dominion over this world, but he also has dominion over the air, the atmosphere, the unseen, if you will. Even right now, Satan is operating in space. We know that's true. We could define the world as a system that Satan uses unregenerate, unsaved individuals to accomplish his work and his will. In the hearts of wicked men, in the hearts of men and women who long to do good, Satan operates. See, we often think it's just the presence of evil when in reality, Satan works and manifests himself in those who are legalistically trying to just be good people. In reality, you can't be good. There is no good in here. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All deserve death. God will, tells us in his word that he will wage war with the world and the delegated empowerment and the participant and Satan himself. Now, here's the funny thing in how dense I am sometimes. So I go searching my whole Bible. I'm like, surely there has to be a defense for the enemy. And I'm scanning scripture and I'm thinking, I'm using programs on my computer and I'm thinking, surely there has to be some defense against this, this devil and, and his demons and, and the world and, and where is the verse that tells us what we are to do? And then a voice from heaven opened up in the midst of freezing cold and said, Jordan, keep reading. Oh, okay. Well, let's keep reading. Here is your defense. Paul says, you are going to not wrestle against yourself or your God, but against the rulers and the authorities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, oh, yeah, Jordan's getting it. Okay. Take up the whole armor of God. Take up truth which is a belt in the first part of 14. God's truth given for sanctification that you would be set apart and deliverance. We're going to talk about that. A breastplate in the second part of verse 14. Not works, but righteousness of Christ that happens through faith. Oh, God's equipping his believers for the attacks of the enemy and the demons in the world. Sandals. I could use sandals right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> in verse 15, that as you walk into Satan's territory, you will not be afraid. What does Psalm chapter 23 say? Think, right? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Bring it on. I got God's sandals on my feet. A shield in 16. 
not doubting the faithfulness of God and his word. Salvation, verse 17, that comes in the form of a helmet, protection and preservation against false doctrine and teaching. God's word, 17, which is one of the only offensive things that we have to fight the devil. God's holiness and power that is living and active. Yeah? God gives you a sword. Now that's an interesting passage. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. And then in 18 he says with prayer. And everybody forgets this in the armor of God. With the mind of Christ. With his heart. With his priorities. With prayer. Without, with, without re- relying on anything else but God's. Our efforts have merit, they're, they're useful, but without these things, we're useless and we're open to the attacks. We talked about it last week, but what does Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11 tell us? It says that you are to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might because God has taken the, the armor off of the devil, Lucifer, who fell from heaven, and watch this, he has placed it upon you. The question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you confessed that I am a sinner and I need a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ? It is not by works that I'm saved. God says I have taken the strongholds away from the enemy and I have placed them at my people's feet. The question is, will you put on the full armor of God? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you Me, the one who is in you, the one who has confessed, the one who has believed, is greater than the one who seeks to destroy those who are in the world. Greater is the one that is in you, that is is in the world. Because he knows that the world is our enemy. Now, here's what happened to me the other day. Those of you who know me know that I love hockey. I'm not really a football fan, but I love hockey. Avid Blackhawks fan have been since I was a kid. And uh, sometimes I'm able to watch the games uh, in real time, which is awesome. But I'm learning the joys of watching the game after it's over. Now, track with me for a second. Because of the wonder of technology and these things that are in our pockets, I'm able to take this little device out and I can replay the game. It's glorious. And I'll tell you why. Because I know who wins in the end of the game. I know what happens at the end of the game. So the other day, I'm going back to the replay, and it had already been spoiled for me. And now, I don't want to spoil anything for you football fans, but the Steelers are going to win the World Series, or <laughs> World Series, <laughs> Super Bowl again, okay? So, so you just got, the, you got to accept that as, as fact. Um, but I already gotten word from the glorious internet that the Blackhawks had won. And it was a close game, two to one. And here's the crazy thing. As I'm watching the replay of the game, I realize that when they got a penalty and they were down a player, I I wasn't as worried as I was if I'd have been watching it in real time. And and you know what? When the the enemy scored the goal, it didn't faze me. Because I knew there was two more coming from our end. See, if I could show you something, this Bible is the replay. Because there is no place that God has not already gone. There is no time in which God has not existed. God very clearly gave you the book so that you would know the outcome of the game. And yes, there's going to be some 
players that are going to be taken off the field. There's going to be some hardships that happen in your life. There's going to be some things that you go through that you didn't want to go through, but the end will be worth it all because you said, I stood and fought the enemy, his delegated authority, the demons, and the world because I know the outcome of the book, and that is that we, we win. We win. Easy. If my eyes are on Jesus Christ, I do not sink in the waters of life. But if my eyes are on the world, I go to the bottom like a stone. Where are your eyes fixated? And are you fighting for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's pray about that this morning. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.